0: I'm Pinky and I'm Lucy, and you're listening to Thank Folk for Feminism. We've got a lovely show in store for you today, and happy New Year from all of us here at team, Thank Folk for Feminism. But before we get cracking, we wanted to pay our respects to a fabulous, tremendous powerhouse of a woman and keeper of our tradition who's passed away. Norma Waterson, may you rest in peace. Such sad news to
1: start the show with. In today's episode, we are speaking to the wonderful Rachel Newton and Lauren McCall, uh, known none other than Heal and Harrow. And they talk us through their most recent project, exploring the 16th and 17th century witch trials that take place in Scotland. It was such an enlightening and educating conversation. Um, and we really hope you enjoy hearing what they have to say. <laughs> Rachel, Lauren, it is so good to have you with us. How are you today, Rachel?
2: I am very well, thank you. Yeah, great. We're, um, myself and Lauren are up here at Lythe Arts Centre uh, rehearsing for our live show. So we we feel like we're just in heaven having this space to ourselves. It's brilliant.
1: <laughs> oh, Super, so great. And yourself, Lauren?
3: Yeah, really good. It's, it's nice to be starting the year with a, a lovely creative thing. And um, yeah, to be up in—I th- I believe this is the most northerly art centre in the UK, in mainland UK. Um, and it's yeah, it's a special place to be. Very flat in Caithness. Yes. Um, yep. Amazing big skies and beautiful horizons. So um, yeah, it's great to be starting the year like this, nice and positive
1: sounds absolutely idyllic it's one of those where you think oh I wish we didn't do a podcast I wish we had some sort of video so we could make you take this outside and see it but hopefully the um, words you've used to describe it will convey in some way uh, the Mm -hmm. landscape and the way in which you're starting your year. Um, So you two have got a new project that's happening so do you want to start just by telling us a little bit about what drew you to the project and the topic that you're working on?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, Lauren and I have been. I think. Well, we met when we were probably about nine or ten um, at uh, the Face Face Rosh, which is Face is a Gaelic word for festival, or it's a kind of like a summer school tuition festival. Um, and we met, yeah, in, uh, in Rossshire, so the Face Rosh. Um, so not not too far from where we are now, but um, I'm I'm from Edinburgh, but my my family are from Rossshire my mum's side of the family and Lauren's from Fort Worth. so we um yeah we met there when we were wee and we we bonded um and we played kind of you know as as kids together but also then later on as professionals we were playing on each other's projects quite a lot um and yeah it just kind of felt like the time was right to to do a duo project together um, yeah. And yeah, we were on, well, it was your tour, wasn't it, this, with the seer?
3: Yeah, but the, the, probably the last kind of full tour we did together before the pandemic um, in the summer 2019. And um, we were touring a, a piece of work called The Seer, uh, which was a, a commissioned work about the life and prophecies of a man called the Brand Seer, um, a prophet from the 17th century. Um, and we we're touring that work and it was very much based on um, folklore and mythology um, from the Highlands and um, we we're touring and our last gig, we were actually, the last gig was here where we are now, <laughs> but um, on our way here we stopped off in uh, Dornoch, on the north coast, the northeast coast and we visited uh, a place um, that's called Janet Horne Stone and um, Rachel and I both kind of remarked that we didn't really know who this woman was and um, after a, a quick search we'd heard her name but we didn't know too much about um, her history and uh, she was the last person to be executed um, for under the Witchcraft Act in 1727 in Scotland and we both just kind of remarked that we knew not enough about that period in our history. Um, and I wanted to explore a little bit more. So that's where the seed of it all came from, I yeah. suppose. And of
0: course, it's blossomed into this show that you're touring throughout <laughs> February, heel and Harrow. Um, and so of course you've said there that it that it's all it, it's based in folklore and also truth, of course, that the, the 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 witch trials. So were there any kind of particular tales you mentioned? This this one woman, the last person to be executed, that um really spoke to you or that really shaped the work?
2: Yeah, so what we what we did, like you see, you know, we had this, these kind of this duality between what we'd, you know, been interested in before the sort of folklore and the mythology and and like we've both, you know, been very interested in that. And obviously with folk music and traditional song and things like that, there's, there's so much um, rich kind of storytelling in that. But actually with, you know, with this, with the witch trials, these were real people who you know weren't you know they they weren't practicing they they didn't think they were practicing magic or or anything like that often they were very much just people in the community that were very unlucky to be kind of picked on i suppose uh you know and 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 became victims of of these trials so we wanted to make sure that we that we really made that point that it it wasn't all kind of mythological kind of magic world Mm -hmm. you know um so, yeah, we, we, we wanted to cover different stories and, and kind of humanise these, these women. Um, I mean, it was largely women that were, that were victims of, you know, I think there were, gosh, I mean, thousands, like over 2000 um, people, but, you know, it was mostly, mostly women. Um, we wanted to sort of humanise them and, and give them a, a bit of a voice. But also you know have these characters from mythology as well, so we commissioned a writer called Mary Kidd, who's a good friend of ours to to write some stories and, and imagine the lives of these of these people um, so she wrote us 10 stories, so we have these 10 characters, um some of them real real women who who were involved in the witch trials in various ways, both as as victims but also um in different ways. Um, There was a woman who was uh, tasked with identifying witches by looking into their eyes and seeing if they were guilty. So that was kind of important to us to sort of, to maybe have these different elements, not always just be, you know, people who were victims of something, but also just different people who were involved in different ways, I suppose. So Mary did such a great job of writing these different stories. Um, So we are just, yeah, really lucky to have her bring these these stories to life I suppose um and and we we were able to write the music kind of inspired by these imaginings I suppose and do you
1: think I was I guess I was just thinking as you were talking within all of that right about this element of you know we all know about the witch trials we all know that they happened and yet at the same time probably similar to you two when you were thinking about it actually you know where are those individual women within it, how do we start thinking about the stories of those involved, not just as victims, but in other ways, you know, and potentially as perpetrators of, you know, executing people. Are there any particular things that kind of stood out as that research was coming through to you that you thought, oh, wow, that's, you know, something that's just changed my view or changed the way I look and see what happened back in the 17th, 16th, 17th century?
3: oh that's a big question (laughs) um i think the biggest thing for me the overarching thing that um that i keep going back to is is just how much that everything was so intrinsically a part of the community um and how this affected the whole country um so every single small community had these had these Terrible atrocities ha- happening within them, um, and yeah, I think that's the thing that kind of struck me the most is that yes, there were concentrated pockets of these things, and there there were kind of the most famous witches and cases and um, people who were persecuted. But actually, the the kind of on a really base level within a community, the amount that it affected people who were. Um, even bystanders to the the whole event is uh, yeah it's 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 had such a kind of long-standing impact on on the whole country really um so that's the main thing that I kind of keep keep going back to and almost like horrifies me more the more that I think Mm -hmm. about that but um I'm not sure and like specific I think I think I suppose the thing that's really
2: changed my perspective a little bit is is that idea you know like we were saying you know we we learn especially in Scotland you know we learn about the Battle of and we learn about the Highland Clearances and all these huge things that uh, you know did have a huge impact on our country but we don't we didn't learn about the witch trials and you know in fact I I knew about more about the Salem witch trials in um, in America because of like the play The Crucible and you know things like that which was a tiny fraction you know obviously it's an a, a, you know a, a terrible thing that happened there but on a much much smaller scale than what happened in Scotland um but but yet I knew more about that than I did about Mm -hmm. my own country's history which and it's not even that you know long ago I suppose so I suppose just that that whole idea of wow this is you know why don't we know more about this um but also I think for me just the kind of stereotype of a a, that idea of a witch you know there, there was something the other day that I saw about it was like a sign um I'm not sure if it was in Scotland or in England I, I'm not sure but it, there was a sign to some kind of I think it was a memorial to somebody involved in the witch trials or something and it was a sort of little picture of this person with a hat pointy hat and a and a broomstick you know and and it's just like that's really not helpful you know <laughs> that's not um and it, I was this is just a bit of an aside but I was reading something about you know the actually where that stereotype came from which was actually women who in the past made, were, they made ale, they, like, because it was women that made uh, like weak ale, um, because it was more, it was safer than than drinking water. So it was women that made beer, you know, the, the, in the past, and they would use a cauldron, they would, you know, there would be a cat there to kind of <laughs> get rid of the mice. Um, there's all these kind of stereotypes that, that you think of. Um, and actually, that practice of, of ale making when it when it re- people realized that it was profitable um, it was taken over by by men as a as a sort of as a trade um but that's apparent you know and and actually it's thought that maybe that was that was why you know they started to make the stereotype because of to try and kind of you know um stigmatize that that practice for women which i just thought was really interesting <laughs> it's a bit of a tangent but <laughs> <laughs>
3: this project is full of tangents
0: (laughs) (laughs) tangents where the most exciting creative things happen and I just love this this the more you talk about it it just feels like the show is something that's going to present as much as is possible with the information you can you can get about these women right you know rounded characters real humans um and of course um being music and in this case story and words spoken word and things uh, creating voice voices for the voiceless all these years on it, you know it's just sounds like such a a powerful and magical <laughs> thing that you're creating together <laughs> um so i wanted to ask you about this this multidisciplinary thing what does that that mean what will the show be like
3: to come and watch well we've been lucky to enlist um, an amazing visual artist Alison Piper who's actually working away on the visuals right now so um, yeah we're, we're yet to see the fruits of, of her labour but um, one of the things that we really noticed when we started uh, researching this whole topic and and it is very topical at the moment um was that the more you talk to people from dis- different disciplines and different artistic disciplines about it the more naturally like in any creative project that that starts to take you off down these like tangents and um rabbit holes and and it changes your views and it challenges your views and challenges your thinking. And I think that's what's been really lovely about this project. So as soon as we had Mary's stories and then we had our music, it felt like, right, that now is the time to pass this on to somebody else and for them to have their creative response to it. Um, so the show will, will, be, will be playing the whole, the album in its entirety uh, with the visuals. And, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're working out how to do that as we speak this week, so. <laughs> That's why we're here.
2: Yeah. But yeah, we've got, um, I think with this project, we kind of wanted to, I suppose, push ourselves, you know, we've both been working as musicians for, for many years now and, um, you know, and we've been involved in, in multidisciplinary projects before, but I think as a, you know, as the, I suppose, project managers, I could call us. <laughs> this project. Um, you know, it's been really, yeah, it's been amazing. And, and, and as Lauren said, it's kind of grown arms and legs along the way. And, um, we, with, with the stories, we have, um, 10 actors or, or voices that we, that we love, um, 10 women reading each story. So Mary's stories are going to be published as a, as a book. Um, she's publishing them through her publisher, but, um, we're, we've got the audio rights to the stories, so we we are able to to um, thanks to some funding from Creative Scotland and Necessity, we were able to employ ten women to to read these stories. Um, and that's going to be that's going to come out as a podcast so we're going to join you guys as podcast <laughs> podcasters <laughs> which is that what we call ourselves um uh, later in the year and and share the the stories um, that inspired the music and 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 the film that allison's going to make as well so um it's kind of yeah there's the, the project's kind of i think probably going to go on and on in different different ways um, and and as Lauren says it's very topical at the moment because um there's currently um uh well, well there, there's already been a petition to the Scottish government um which is going to be taken forward um hopefully as a private members bill by um an SNP MSP um for a uh, a pardon a legal pardon an apology and a monument to be to be um made to to these women and men um, and yeah they're 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 hopefully going to get that um to happen on women's day uh, this year um which would be fantastic um so there's a lot of press around that at the moment and a lot of a lot of awareness kind of growing about about it and um yeah it's quite it's quite an exciting time to to be to be doing this project
3: Yeah,
1: and it sounds like, you know, what you're talking about is those kind of meetings of art forms with activism, with awareness raising, and how that all, you know, in many ways comes to a head, right? And we know that, you know... Mm -hmm. know that is in many senses what all art forms are inspired to do you know is to educate to tell stories to make people aware of stuff but I guess ultimately you know, to also look for for change and that you know exactly sounds like hopefully what might come out of this kind of combination that it's topical but different people are delivering different parts and different messages of not one singular story but you know stories of a similar time and place and way of being which has been as you you know earlier said so so neglected in our understanding and knowledge of social history Um, and so i guess linked to that you know beyond potentially getting behind um, petitions and you know pushes for the pardons and for it to be taken forward what else do you hope that the audience who sees this show might take away with them
2: I, th- I mean, I'd say that definitely that kind of awareness is, you know, is is something that, you know, I think, I think people are already, it feels like people are quite interested in, in the whole topic. Um, so I think, you know, that is definitely a, a big part of it. But I think, I mean, I guess, for me, and well, and probably for you as well, it's like, it, this is a very new way of working for us at the live show is um you know we're working as we say with with visuals which we have done before but um i think like the way that we're doing it with this 45 minute film that's been made specifically for our our music you know um that's certainly a new experience um and we're also using technology to recreate a lot of the sounds that we made on the album which in itself was quite a learning curve <laughs> so i hope that audiences i suppose bring you know bring away the fact that we're we're doing something new and and hopefully i imagine you know some of the audience will be people who know our music already but it'll be something
3: maybe that they were not expecting from us yeah, <laughs> in, in absolutely way. and i think perhaps in regard to the kind of whole topic it, you know the I suppose there'll be a kind of a wide range of folk that some some might know something about this history and and others maybe not so much. But for me, it maybe kind of always comes back to that thing about realising that these women were all around us and they were they were our ancestors and they were they were they were women. They were. They were just just like you and I and to, to kind of think really deeply into that is to um, to have that empathy with with those in our community now that might be suffering from othering and all the all the kind of the wrongs that are still prevalent within our society so it is you know of course there's a bit of social commentary there as well um and but yeah, they'll 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 take something from it. I hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will. And as you've been talking, I've just been thinking. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's this great. Um, I assume is a photo from a a real woman at a protest march at somewhere in the world. But she's got this great sign that just says, "We're the granddaughters of the witches you didn't burn." um what I was thinking of as you two were talking actually about that kind of shared history that shared ancestry that you know in effect we all are those women you know and we know as you've said previously that you know for a lot of people it was probably just you know sheer bad luck or sheer chance or you know one thing they'd done that made somebody suspicious about their behavior rather than you know it being so much about magic or you know and even Mm -hmm. you know capitalism coming in in its very early forms and you know power struggles and you know stuff around women's position in society so it sounds like you've you know just created something so full of thought and so full of consideration that i have no doubt it will be amazing to watch like i can't wait to find a day
2: (laughs) thank you (laughs) oh yeah well come and see us yeah Yeah. we'll put you on the door
0: (laughs) Oh well, we wish you the best of luck on tour. Um, wait, I echo everything Pinky said. It does sound just awesome. Have a great time. Oh,
2: thank you. And yeah, for anyone that wants to hear more about you know about the the whole thing and what we've been talking about the I should say the the campaign um a huge part of the campaign um that we we were discussing is led by um the Witches of Scotland podcast um another podcast, <laughs> um, which is uh, Claire Mitchell and Zoe Venditotsi, um, they have this great podcast. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to hear a bit more about the the background, they've, they've got some, some great guests and some really interesting discussions on that. So yeah, check them out.
1: Fab. And I assume there's also be information on your website that people can find out about the tour and some of the stories potentially
2: yeah absolutely um yeah healandharrow.com um and yeah and like we're saying we've got we've got great plans with the stories and things that will be happening later in the year so people can sign up to our mailing list um and yeah pre-orders are are open now for our album
3: the album will be out on the 4th of february
2: Amazing!
1: Well, make sure as stuff changes and grows, you keep us in the loop. And I'm so excited you are joining us in the podcaster realm as well. We will make sure that we get that out to all of our listeners when that goes live.
2: Uh, yeah, we'll have to get some advice from you guys about about yeah. podcasting.
1: <laughs> no, sure, we know a huge amount. We know not what to do.
3: <laughs> That's the main thing, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Yeah that's our that's usually our ways. <laughs>
0: exciting new segment in store for you now one where we look at the context in which we explore this fabulous folk world that we live in and we thought it might be fun working with our new team member none other than the brilliant Jenny Higgins to explore some of the common misconceptions about folk traditions kind of looking from the outside world into our beautiful scene so today are you ready for it it's is Morris just for men
1: Jenny welcome thank you so much for joining us for one of our um new and really exciting segments we are so excited to have you here with us and um This segment is one of those things that's come out of a lot of feedback that we've had from people listening to the show so people that are really interested and keen for us to make sure that we don't overlook and neglect the dance side of things when it comes to the folk scene. And Lucy and I are planning a much longer episode in time, but I think it's also fair to say that it is not mine and Lucy's specialist area whatsoever. We know very, very little about dance, probably even less than people who aren't involved in the folk scene. Um, (laughs) So we've brought you in to inform us, enlighten us, and hopefully talk through um, some of the complexities and some of the things we should be thinking about with dance from a feminist lens. Um, and today we've got a big
0: question, I think. Right, Luce, what is our top question? Top question. And I want you guys to imagine this being said as somebody walks down the street and sees Morris for the first time. <laughs> Morris, isn't it just for older white men with ankeys? Is oh, it? I don't know. No, <laughs> <laughs> I know Absolutely it's not. not. <laughs>
4: This is the bit where I walk up to and they say, let me tell you everything. <laughs> so, no, um, women were always Morris dancers, especially during the wars, when the men went off to war, who else was going to do the dances? Um, so let's not, like, forget that, although this is seen as a bit of fun these days, um, they were traditionally dances for crop fertility that were very significant in rural life, Um so things like when you're wassailing, there is Morris dancing happening because you're promoting a fertile crop for the year of the apple trees. Um, so it's also not to be confused with Molly dancing, um, which was traditionally danced by unemployed plow boys. It's not sort of Morris dancing for men, Molly dancing for women. Not the case at all. Um, so if we look at the history of women doing some Morris dances. We can go as far back as the 1820s. Um, In Spellsbury in Oxford, in Oxfordshire, um, they had a female Morris team of farmers, daughters um, dancing on the church tower, rather than a male side, due to them being the best in the county. It it was only the best team that did that. And that was collected by Peter Manning, um, who was an amazing dance collector uh, during the first folk revival. But this was largely done by farmer's daughters as they were able to perform in public, which sort of the more upper class women couldn't be seen to do, Um, but they also had time to do it. Whereas the laboring women didn't have the time to be running around with hankies (laughs) sort of thing. They had stuff to be getting done at home. Um, So then we come to the interesting part of how have women really been written out of Morris dancing history. Um, and here lies the trail of misogyny and bloody-mindedness, and with a sprinkling of fascism as well, which is always fun.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> any sentence that begins "Here lies the trail" and ends "Sprinkling of fascism," I'm just, I'm just here for. Continue, Honestly, Jenny. <laughs> <yeah>. It's
4: <laughs> madness that we carry it on. It really is. Um, <laughs> so it, it kind of comes from the actions of Rolf. Gardner, who was um, part of the first folk revival, uh, collected dances, was very much a promoter of rural life. And Rolf Gardner's renaming of Morris and Molly dancers as Morris men excluded women from the performance, um, which is really awful as we know, Um, exclusion's never good. Um, Gardner was instrumental in the creation of the first association of Morris dancers, which was the Morris ring. Um, He kind of brought across ideals from his time with the German Freikorps. So if someone's been reading Mein Kampf and thinks that's a good idea for a social circle, In a a group scenario. I don't think that's the best. Um, He made the Morris Ring an all-male association um, as a place to escape from women as well, he said at one point. Um, So it has like this pervasive underlying view of women and women's bodies as like a contaminating threat, um, which is again an absolute madness. he was kind of considered to be a fundamentalist at the time. Um, but that's much the case with most of the um revivalist collectors that were middle class. Um he was like he, he was kind of a supporter of the Nazi Party's pro-ruralist policies as well, which kind of works in the promotion of rural life in England, but it's still Nazi Party policy. <laughs> <It's
1: very> problematic <laughs> um, shall we say.
4: Yeah, it's kind of like can't be good. Um, and he openly like published his anti-Semitic views from 1933, um, so he's just he's a bit of a bad egg at times, <laughs> um, and so you kind of left with he's doing fertility ta- dances, and he basically said women can't be in there because they sort of corrupt the phallic imagery of that. Um, so it created this sort of men's group where men could be men, um, and all of this. And it becomes like really weirdly really like a masturbatory display rather than a dance for fertility because you can't be fertile without women. Um, so
0: I mean it's very messed up. <laughs> um, but the work I'm of stop Mary me there is- just to say, oh, yeah. like, this is a moment where I wish the podcast had a v- like a visual element because mine and Pinky's faces as she went through. <laughs> that the just the shock and the horror and then the hilarity of it it's almost like everything you say you know through through our lens of understanding now it's just absolutely incredible that that's the the kind of root basis of uh modern uh Morris until changes begun began to take place sorry please continue
4: no absolutely like it's just to us it's so entertaining because we couldn't imagine doing that today but then I'm sure in 20 years time we'll look back and be like oh no <laughs> we've done it again I was just um, so. about to
1: say, like that's the worst bit for me is not actually that I can't imagine people doing it but actually I think we can you know I think those groups yeah. of men who think that women are corrosive and toxic and have no place in circles and systems they're there aren't
4: they like we are going to get back there Exactly. I, I often think when men are left alone, bad things happen. <laughs> History's always been the tale of women sort of trailing along behind, clearing up the mess, sort of thing. So it happens over and over again. But the work of Mary Neal during the first folk revival is good news. Um, she created Esperance Morris. Um, who kind of became a bit of a footnote in the history of folk traditions compared to the all male teams of the 1920s. Um, Despite like the team still being active, all female Morris team today, like they're still around and they're brilliant, Um, but we don't kind of draw on that history as much. Um, So women kind of became like the losers in the battle to be remembered in the folk world. They're not the sort of the imagined village. which is kind of a shame because it's it's failing to become a permanent part of what's considered to be traditional national life as well and thus excluded from like the national folk narrative basically create, like creating a subverted and exclusive view of 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 our past and our heritage which is a real shame i think um, so but it's not all and gloom like the Women's Morris Federation was created in the 1970s and soon became the Morris Federation to include all Morris sides, um, mixed female and male, which is brilliant. Um, And today the Morris ring, which was kind of created with with Gardner, um, does allow mixed teams. There aren't many that have mixed teams, (laughs) like it's still catching up um, because it was only a few years ago that this happened. Um, And there were many grumblings at the time, which is a shame, Um, but they do technically allow that now. Um, So, yeah, so like we kind of bring it to present day where it's kind of like lots of people assume it's not more dancing if women are involved and you sort of go, well actually I think you'll find <laughs> it always was and always will be like the, the women's Morris teams are brilliant and so like and so we think like where are those amazing like women's sides today well we have like Windsor Morris who are brilliant like they're they're so good they can outdance any male side and and then drink them under the table which is brilliant in, in my book <laughs> Um, and we have Boss Morris and Somerset Morris side, and obviously the brilliant New Esperance, and they're all dancing traditional Morris dances, stave dances, and country dances, and, and they're great. So, yeah, I would say Morris is for everyone male, female, everything in between. It's just there, and it should be a, a tradition to be enjoyed by all, I think.
1: I don't know how you've done that in five minutes, but you've just sold me on Morris rather than make, make me go. nah, I'm, g- I'm gonna go and walk a different direction now and find something else because I don't understand it.
0: Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, I feel educated and enlightened. And I hope that this is just the start of conversations that not just we have myth busting, uh, you know, perceptions of our beloved folk scene from the outside in, um, but also just the first conversation we're going to uh, one of many conversations we're going to have about dance. I'd like to give a shout out to my local mix side, Make Me, Make Me Morris, a really, you know, diverse and exciting mix side. And it's um, just brilliant to hear about the success of all those all all women sides or all non-male sides shall we say yes
4: (laughs) absolutely no there are some great teams out there as well like folk dance remixed are also incredible and great to watch like it really is something to behold some of those sides they're great oh it sounds
1: amazing I'm gonna get myself along to more Morris and more dance generally um this summer I think I'm just gonna go and find it now. Um, Before we let you go, Jenny, I am also aware my little spies have been out and we think that maybe you've got an exciting project in the pipeline. Um, Do you wanna give us a shout about what you're working on at the moment?
4: Yeah, so essentially um, I'm also a traditional folk singer. Um, completely a cappella usually, um, which is always fun to play with. And I've currently got a Kickstarter for my debut album, which is currently live. And so um, if you follow my social media, which is at Rennie Higgins, W-R-E-N-N-I-E, Higgins, um, you can find the Kickstarter and all the links. Um, and essentially, it's an album of folk songs telling women's stories. Um, it's going to be called Where Are All The Women?, um, And there's also gonna be comprehensive musicology alongside it, looking at some of the history of those songs and where they came from. So yeah. Sounds amazing, Uh, gets my money already and
1: hopefully many other people's as well. So can't wait to see what you do with your debut album, Jenny.
4: Thank you. We love you, bye. Bye.
1: our huge thanks to Rachel and Lauren for sharing all their wisdom and knowledge today and also to our excellent and wonderful new teammate Jenny it's so great to have so many wonderful women um, involved in Thank Folk for Feminism and of course if you've got ideas or suggestions or thoughts please do drop them on our social so that we know to incorporate them in the meantime have wonderful weeks and we will be back again soon take care Mm. Thank Folk for Feminism is a Betty Beetroot production.